So what did this Ghibli welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's where um, your boy is going to be doing some Latin here. So there are three important rules to remember as I talk about neuter nouns and substantive nouns. That's what we're getting into today. Remember, um, I've gone over this in the past, but like I said, I'm, you know, going over concepts I've gone over in the past with better quality better, you know, I'm better at my craft, I would say. And you know what, might as well just continue to, you know, hone in on such things. So if you would like to follow along, yeah, we got neuter nouns and substantive nouns. If you don't even know what a substantive noun is, let's get into that so that you know. So those three important rules, a neuter nominative and accusative form are always the same. Secondly, an adjective agrees with a noun that modifies a number, gender, and case. That's pretty cool. And three, a substantive derives its substance from its gender. So, neuter gender. Along with the masculine and feminine, Latin also has a neuter gender meaning neither. Referring to how it is neither masculine nor feminine. Thus, neuter gender is often applied to things which don't have a natural gender. Words like war, which is bellum, and iron, which is ferrum, which is why we have FE on the periodic table for iron. It's where we get ferrous iron. Anyways, we have also danger, which is periculum, like peril. But it's not as simple as that, unfortunately. It happens to be the case sometimes, but not always. There are many exceptions to this rule. And thus in Latin, things which are masculine in gender are not, not, are not necessarily always male in nature. We know this, right? We have things like nauta, which is f uh, feminine and uh, looks feminine, but is masculine in nature. The, the same holds true for... Um, you know, those other two genders, as I mentioned, like Nauta and um, Equus, which is horse, but we both know, and we all know, we all nays know um, that um, horses can be either masculine or feminine, okay? So in Latin, it's not as straightforward as it, as it is in English, where he, the masculine pro pronoun, always almost always refers to something male or she, the feminine pronoun is most likely anything female or it, the, the neuter pronoun, uh, usually referring to something without gender, um, or they, them in these cases. And in these days in Latin, there are many reasons which we English speakers see as not having natural gender. And so we refer to any of these things in the singular as it, but in Latin, these same um, things are masculine or feminine. For instance, penalty, poena, is a feminine word. Agricola, farmer, is also feminine, as is memory, memoria. Book, liber, which is masculine. I always like that one because it reminds me of liberation. And year, anus, is two, as is grief, dolor. Therefore, at the end of the day, Gender in Latin is arbitrary and must be memorized for each noun. Sorry, not sorry. It'll be okay, I think. 
Patterns do exist, however, that can aid in memorizing a word's gender. For instance, first declension nouns, which have A in the nominative singular, are almost always feminine. Like I like to tell my students, it reminds, uh, think of Julia, that's typically a female name, versus Julius, like Julius Caesar. Julius with the U.S. ending, typically masculine. In that same way, like I said, second declension nouns ending in a U.S. in the nominative singular are almost always masculine. Marcus, Brutus, um, Quintavius, Augustus. Ha ha. And then we have things like Cleopatra and Julia and Faustina and A's. Lots of A's. So think about it like that. Think about it as a proper noun. There are rarely any um, proper nouns, except for when I think about in history, Caligula. Uh, Caligula, man, he was a weirdo. As we studied other declensions and see patterns, though, which can help us memorizing gender, we'll point them out. So I'll say that again. As we study other declensions and see patterns, which uh, can help in memorizing gender, I'll point them out. So second declension neuter nouns are, um, well, let's, let's note the, the nominative singular ending, the U-M, uh, is the predominant thing that is going to be occurring, especially when you look it up in a dictionary. You know how if you look up words in a dictionary, it's typically going to not tell you exactly if it's masculine, feminine, or neuter. Maybe it will, but sometimes it'll just give you its ending. And typically a U-M is going to be neuter, as is an A is going to be feminine, and U-S is going to be masculine. That makes a lot of sense, I would say. Cool beans. So... <clears throat> In the plural, there are only two real differences that I'm thinking of right now off the top of my head before we get into it. The A ending found in the nominative and accusative of the neuter plural. And also there's one thing to be very careful here. The neuter nominative and accusative plural A ending looks a lot like the nominative singular feminine ending in the uh, first declension. So confusing these two endings is an easy mistake. So just remember... Uh, just be a little bit more cognizant of it because no Latin noun is both first and second declension. These endings do not actually overlap in any way, which just underscores the importance of knowing which declension a noun or a Latin noun rather belongs to. So if a noun is first declension and it has an A ending, it means the word is nominative singular. But if a word is second declension neuter, and has an A ending, it has to be nominative or accusative plural. In that light, it's interesting to bear in mind that English derivatives like data and agenda are actually neuter plural. They are derivatives in Latin second declension nouns. Proper grammar then demands that one say the data show or the data shows, not the data shows rather. But enforcing things like this is, uh, don't do it. Well, I mean, you can if you want to, but I would suggest that you use data properly, but not insist your friends do, uh, even if you hear them use it improperly, because I hear it all the freaking time. Otherwise, you might find yourself in many data, but uh, with many data, but few Never mind. I thought I was going to create a little joke out of it, and I just did a little tongue twister all over it. So another thing to note, though, 
is how the nominative and accusative forms in the singular and plural respectively are the same. U-M in the nominative and accusative singular and A in the nominative and accusative plural. Which brings up an important rule that will ap apply not only to the forms you learn in Latin, but across Indo-European languages as well. Um, that is that the neuter nominatives and accusatives are always the same. And that's a really fun thing to always remember and uh, always be able to sock in your head. Plurals have a lot of uh, uh, patterns which can re remember nominative, neuter nominative and accusative plurals are the same. Uh, dative and ablative plurals are always the same. Cool beans. Now, that, that doesn't mean that the accusative singular and the accusative plural are the same, but but within number. In other words, the um, the singular singular of the nominative and accusative or the plural of the plural of the nominative and accusative will always be the same. Not the singular, only the plural. That's what I was trying to say there. So I'll get into it real quickly. Um, Endings alone, going from nominative all the way down to the ablative, first singular, then plural. Okay. Um, e, o, um, o, a, or, um, e, so, cease. You can make it into a jingle. That's what my, I tell my students to do, and it's a lot of fun to do it that way. Um, now we'll put it on to, uh, how about bellum, which means war, and we'll decline it like that. Bellum, belly, below, belum, below, bella, belorm, belis, bella, belis. Now, adjectives. I recommend um, to utilize first and second declension endings to create one declensional system called the first and second declensional system. Um, this is something that I used in order to memorize these where I just kind of like wrote them down as big old charts. And then I would try and like, you know, these are things that you can do kind of mindlessly, you know, us e om o, um e om o. You can do these while you walk and while you have a nice jaunt. How about that? After a nice meal. Okay? Something like that, you know? It's a, like, you know what? Instead of, well, you take me along. You know what? Along as a podcast, go on a nice jaunt, 30 minutes, get in your steps. You know, I'm sure you could fit in like 4,000 steps. I don't know. I don't... Um, I, I, I've, I've recently, I, I guess this is a side tangent, but I've recently no, uh, started to notice on my phone how much I walk in a day because my phone tracks it kind of like sporadically, I guess. Like I, I got, I always got to keep my phone on me, which that isn't always the case, but, um, I typically walk only around, oh, excuse me, 5,000 steps a day which I know I need to get better at. Yesterday I did apparently 13,000. So yeah, I need to get better at that again. I used to be so good at walking and I don't I don't walk around anymore. You can't really bike around right now because my bike's out of commission, so might as well walk. So adjectives have a full set of the first and second declension endings in order to make them masculine or feminine or neuter, singular or plural, or in any cases, um, case endings, rather. In the world of Latin grammar, noun, noun 
nouns take precedence over adjectives, hence the rule that an adjective must agree with a noun it modifies in number, gender, and case. Now, let's look at how to form something like that real quickly, because I believe we've gone over it in the past, but we haven't gone over it in a while, because this is when I'll pivot into substantives, and then we'll wrap it up. All right, so now, just like nouns, adjectives have a base. To determine the base, drop the feminine nominative singular ending, in this case, an A from the second form in the vocabulary. Let's say you have the word Magnus um, out of the vocabulary, I guess, that we've gone over. I don't know what I meant by that. But Magnus means great. Well, think of an English word that you get Magnus from. How about magnificent? How about uh, magnanimous? Uh, Magnitude, magnify. A magnifying glass makes something greater or larger uh, than it looks. In the dictionary, if you looked it up, it would be cited in a nominative singular forms is magnus aum because it's an adjective. It can either be masculine, magnus, feminine, magna, or neuter, magnum. Take the second form, the feminine nominative singular, drop the ending A, and you have a magnet. That's the base, the M-A-G-N. With rare exceptions like this and these, that and those, our adjectives do not change forms and do not contain the same kind of grammatical information that Latin adjectives do. So either we have to write out the grammar, for instance, if you have the word bonus, you translate it as good, but you need to add the grammatical information, nominative, singular, masculine. Please do this. I remember I did this and this helped me. It's called parsing a word. Or you can just attach the adjective to a noun with the same grammatical values as in the good boy did the good boy did his homework. So remember to do your homework, guys. So and to think about it, that re- raises a very important possibility. So in this whole talking of adjectives, um, this uh, begs to question the formation of what grammarians call substantives. And substantives are words that are fundamentally adjectives, but they function as nouns, such as the adjective good. So it can serve as a substantive, that is, um, as a noun. So for instance, if you talk about the goods in the store, goods in a noun meaning the good things in the store, the adjective is serving as the noun, and uh, that's a substantive. Similarly, you can talk about a swift, as in fast flying bird. Birds are nouns, but the word swift, as at heart, it's got to be an adjective, right? Just swift. In English, we often show that an adjective is functioning as a substantive by pluralizing it or putting an article in front of it, such as electronics or the young and the restless. 
the Latin adjectives contain more information encoded into them than their English counterparts, which makes them much more naturally easy to convert into substantives because, for instance, they have gender and gender naturally implies a gendered substance. Hence the principle that Latin substantives derive their substance from their gender. There we go. In other words, because a Latin adjective in masculine... Because a Latin adjective is masculine, it implies that the substance or the unstated noun lying behind the adjective is a man or men, if the adjective is plural, in, if, in that case, rather. Um, if an adjective is feminine in gender, it implies woman, or if, a, uh, or if it's plural, women, and if it's neuter, thing, or things in the plural. For an adjective to serve as a substantive, though, it must have no noun to go with in a sentence. Otherwise, there's no need to evoke substance from its gender. In other words, if bonus has Lee Bear to go with it, then it's got to be just good book. Um, there's no need to add man to good if you've already got good book. Or you, <laughs> if you, you've already got good bleh, book there. There you go, Liam. So this is how substantives work. You're reading along in a Latin sentence and you come across an adjective. It doesn't have a noun to modify. You look at its gender. If the gender is masculine, you add ma a man or men to the translation of the adjective. If the adjective is feminine, then you add woman or women. And if it's neuter, thing or things. So that's really just how it goes. So here are a couple of examples. So say you're reading along in the Latin sentence and you run into the word parvus, meaning small. And as you can see, it is an us ending. It's nominative singular masculine. If there's a noun to attach to it, say puer, you could do that. You could say small boy. You could attach parvus to puer and translate it as small boy, just like I said. But if there is no noun to attach it to, the Latin text implies man. Don't know why it does this, but that's just the way it is. So parvus is masculine in gender, and therefore it would imply a small man, a.k.a. I guess a short dude. Here's another example, though. How about mala, which means bad, and as you can see from the A ending, it's nominative singular feminine. If mala is in a sentence where it doesn't have another noun to modify the implication, um, then it is a bad woman. And because it's nominative singular, it functions as the subject of the sentence. However, the A on the end of mala allows for another possibility, that mala is functioning as a neuter nominative or accusative plural. In that case, mala could mean bad things and most likely serves as either the direct object or the subject of the sentence. So, that's it for me. I'm pretty donezo with all of that good stuff. That was a lot of grammar for me. I'm pretty grammared out. You guys have a great day. If you didn't, or if you enjoyed and got this far, please go ahead and shoot me an email if you like. Uh, rate me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I would just appreciate some love from y'all because I do love my audience, and you know what? I just appreciate it. So thanks again, y'all. Have a wonderful uh, Saturday.